got back from Iceland, uh, what, Monday afternoon, evening or something, got to a hotel, the, took a shower and a real shower for the first time in a week and a half, and went to a, a, a restaurant to get some food and drinks, and passed out on a nice big bed in the hotel, but that was after spending a week and a half in a, in a van. Uh, and that van was down by the river for a spell. Uh, but saw a whole bunch of great things in the country of Iceland. Uh, all thanks to my wife, Megan, who did the extensive planning uh, for a fourth time of us going to Iceland. Even after the COVID-19 pandemic rocked the world. And she joins me right now on the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop, joined by my wife, Who's calling in? Megan, thanks for taking time with us. Uh, and again, thanks to you for all the planning that you did uh, to get us to Iceland uh, safely and uh, securely and getting us back in time, even though it felt like it was by the skin of our teeth at one point, which we'll have to talk about that uh, in, in a future show, all the logistics of having to get back into the country of the United States amid the COVID-19 pandemic. But, you know, I got to ask you, um, I've been asked multiple times, and I'm sure you get the question multiple times. How many times have you gone to Iceland, and and why? Well, like you've been saying, this was the fourth trip, but this was a completely different trip than any we've taken thus far um, in a variety of different ways. I felt like we were more involved in the actual culture of Iceland this time because we were there at a time when they were out having their own vacations and we got to interact with them. And we also treated ourselves to restaurants this time, which usually we just eat in the campers. So we had a so many opportunities to see and talk and interact with people from all over the place, um, Iceland included, which was really nice after being, um, you know, away from people for so long. Yeah, uh, I, I, I found that to be really like it made us human again, almost. <laughs> yeah, well, and then uh, be human while also in a country that uh, is just a pure uh, example of nature's raw force uh, because we saw everything from incredible waterfalls that we've seen before time and again, uh, which are always magnificent to, to stumble upon. Uh, but we also saw magma in person, lava flowing in person, which I got to tell you, I felt like a kid when we came over a ridge uh, outside of uh, an active volcano and seeing that that pure magma for the first time searing into my eyes, uh, there was there was nothing like that before. Uh, so we, we we saw things that that very few people are able to see in this small country of Iceland. Tell us about the planning of you know <laughs> with the weather considerations, uh, trying to to see these things in person, and not just the planning of it, but the logistics of it finding the right trails to, to get the best views of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it can be staggering because Iceland is just so rugged and raw. Um, but this trip was, was kind of about different perspectives for me because, for one, we were going to see this new creation, this, um, this volcano, you know, absolutely changing the landscape completely. And also some of the sites that we had seen, A, we had seen them in different seasons, so, like, now they're surrounded by flowers, which was wild. Yeah. 
and um, we, we we took extra care to make sure we went to the other side of things. Like, for example, there's a, a really powerful waterfall that you can go see. Um, we'd only seen it from one side because it takes about three hours to get to the other side. So you, you usually don't have much time in the same trip to, you know, go to the other side, but it's a completely different view. I mean, I, I was shocked at how moved I was by the other side, um, seeing it from that other side. But the volcano, that was that was the hardest and, you know, most, like, you you, you always learn what you don't know. Yeah. And there's a lot I don't know about volcanoes and have spent, like, a lot of times in this um, in this group of absolute volcano nerds on the internet, just like reading what they're thinking, and you know, none of the scientists are committing to even what type of volcano this is yet. They think it's a shield volcano, but no one wants to go on record and say that, right? And every, we've got all these amateur seismograph readers, so I, you know, I I've been watching. Okay, you can watch on the live cam, see when it's erupting. See what the seismograph looked like at that moment, and just I just spent weeks doing that so that we could walk out at the right time. <laughs> and by God, we did right. We did. Yeah, a lot. A lot of the trips seem to be us literally slipping in at the right moment to see certain things uh, or to to get into certain things. The volcano was very much one of those where you were looking at the the seismograph charts online and looking at the patterns and, you know, you're not a a geologist, so you're just kind of like, I don't know what I'm looking at. But you were able to find the right seismograph and to look at the patterns and say, well, this looks like there's no activity and then all of a sudden, when it's all crazy, you're like, okay, there's activity. And then you look at the live view that they've got live video cameras on this thing. And you could see, yes, it is erupting right now. We need to go. Uh, so it was very much one of those things where we were mobile, again, doing a, a camper van, being able to bounce around to chase the weather, but also being able to bounce around to chase this volcano. And it was just incredible to see that. If people want to, they can view some of the video. We're, of course, going to be putting together a lot more uh, of our travels, but you can find that. uh, Just search out Bishop on Air uh, on the Facebook page and uh, Instagram as well, and you can see some of the highlights. Uh, But I do want to touch on some of the the conversations we had with with others, because it wasn't just, you know, the sights of seeing a volcano and all the waterfalls and uh, and even uh, enjoying some of the food, Uh, a lot of fish and chips, Incredible fish and chips, uh, uh, but talking to the people. You know, one one evening we we ate at a restaurant, and after we were, were done eating, uh, a couple of gentlemen from Germany sparked up conversation with us, and we we talked back and forth about a variety of things. I hope to talk with one of those guys on air because he was a, a, a journalist, uh, a different type of journalist, uh, more of an adventurous type of journalist. But I want to talk with him about some of his work, uh, so maybe we can connect with him on air in the future. Um, but uh, we also talked with uh, with Icelanders, and you. You mentioned this before, but when we went, uh, one of the things that we did this past trip that we hadn't done before is we went on a rafting ride, uh, like a like a rapids rafting ride, going down a river that was made of glacial runoff, which is just incredible on its own. I mean, that was a, a wonderful experience, but we were on the same raft as an Icelander and his child. And you, you sparked up a conversation with them kind of about, you know, typically we don't see Icelanders out on, out on the, on the sites whenever we're in Iceland, but it was a bit of a different, uh, uh, a different take that he had. A, a different take in that, um, you know, this post COVID experience, they've, 
he was talking about how over the past year, the government in Iceland had encouraged them, you know, through a sort of stimulus to go out and do the things that tourists usually do, like go around the ring road, go to all the camping sites, go to all the, the waterfalls and canyons and see the volcano, go to eat food, that kind of thing. So he said it was really surreal um, being in the country because uh, uh, before COVID, they saw, what, 2 million tourists a year? Yeah, and keep in mind, this is a country of about 350,000 people, all right, 350,000, but they have like 1.6 million tourists every year, and we had seen, and I even had indication from some of the the campsite uh, uh, organizers that, uh, you know, they, they see about a sixth of that now, and half of that are people from the United States. So they're still having yes. some limitations from people from the European Union being able to get into Iceland, but ultimately... Icelanders, uh, they're they're hitting the circuit. They're going out to campsites. They're going out to the restaurants. Uh, and uh, th- this one particular Icelander, uh, uh, he had yet to be, be to the volcano. Uh, he had plans to, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was great to talk with him and to to learn some of his experiences. Right. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing that I talked to him about was. Um, I use a sat nav when I'm there just to make sure that we have uh, connectivity on the GPS when we're in mountains and because Google Maps just doesn't cut it sometimes for the places we want to go. And I'm cheap, so I haven't bought a new Iceland chip in years. So it's it's way outdated. And we noticed that many of the places that we went, it would say, turn on to unpaved road and the road would be paved. And all of the different sites that we went to were like, wow, they've really, they've fixed this trail. Oh, they've added guardrails. Oh, they've done this. They've done that. And I told him how impressed we were. And he goes, I'm shocked myself. You know, he said, usually, <laughs> you know, the government, you know, they, they try and, what do you say? Pocket, pocket, all right, the, all um, the profits. The profits. Right. And I'm like, no, but dude, these he, are your tax dollars at work. <laughs> you need to go see yeah, these things. Yeah, um, so he goes, I, I can't believe because I'm, I'm talking like from 2017 to now, and, yeah. you know, she he's seen it much longer. But yeah. the improvements that were, and, you know, they deal with literal movement of tectonic plates and lava over, going over trails and roads, et cetera, right. um, like, Glacial, glacial flooding and we have moved, but we can usually, you know, get close enough. But I don't know. It, it was really cool to talk to him, and um, we we admitted that when we were trying to go to sleep uh, one night in the camper, you know, in the daylight, we just threw on Happy Gilmore on Netflix because yeah. that was the only thing that would work on our phone. And he was like the biggest <laughs> yeah. I've ever met. So that was kind it's of hilarious. weird. It was hilarious. Yeah, he's like he's like read, he's telling us all these lines from Happy Gilmore and Shooter McGavin and yeah, he was <laughs> it was kind of funny. So, yeah, we can all culturally connect with the fine, you know, cinematic work of Adam Sandler. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was quite the trip. Um we'll we'll talk more in the in in the next few days here about a variety of other things uh and the and in particular I want to talk about you know the COVID-19 protocols and the hoops that we had to jump through uh and how we felt like we kind of slid in just at the right time uh because things changed while we were on the ground uh even. So we'll have to talk about that in the future. My lovely wife Megan, thank you so much uh for taking time with us this morning and we will connect again soon and I'll see you for dinner tonight, all right? 
Okay. Nice. Sounds good. <laughs>